0: We'll take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel, chapter number 21, 1 Samuel 21. We'll get back into our series here, When a Nation Needs Revival. <clears throat> when a Nation Needs Revival, 1 Samuel, chapter number 21. Good to have the misers here, mention them this morning, thankful for that, they're here seeing their granddaughter, it's a blessing, oh, and Joe, and, jo, and Birgitta, that's right, Amen. All right, we're in 1 Samuel 21 and been looking forward to getting back into, um, into our series here in, in the book of Samuel, First and Second Samuel. And uh, so last time we, we were together, um, Saul was back to throwing javelins. Remember that? And he missed David again. Terrible shot. <laughs> Terrible shot. No, actually, the providential hand of God was protecting uh, David. That's what was going on. And David had every reason to trust the Lord through all that. And, uh, and God was protecting him. Jonathan tried to assure David that David, look, I, you know, even though Jonathan misunderstood how things were at first, he, he tried to assure David and saying, David, look, God's going to take care of you. You're going to be the king. And when you are the king, remember my family and, and be merciful to them. And God's going to give you great victory. So, I mean, he was trying to reason with him. But, but David hits a low point right here. You know, even our hero... Is that safe to say, you know, uh, David would be one of our heroes, right, in the Bible? I mean, I, uh, I know that word kind of gets thrown around a lot, but I mean, he's just a man like any of us, uh, but he hits a low point. He hits a low point right here, and I, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm thankful that God does. I know I've mentioned that, it seems like, here lately a lot, but it is true that God has recorded for us His, the life of His servants uh, when they're out on the battlefield and running towards the giant, and now they, God records when He's running from King Saul. One hand he's running to, one hand he's running from. God records both because we go through both. And so let's look at it real carefully here in uh, 1 Samuel 21. I'm just going to try to read the text here and and, uh, uh, the the 15 verses of of the chapter. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone and no man with thee? And David said unto Himelech The priest, the king, hath commanded me a business and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, there is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women, and David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out and the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Verse seven is ominous. Now there was a certain man of the servants of Saul Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. And his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I've neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. Can I, can I pause right there and say that, that doesn't make sense. That's like a police officer saying, um, you know, I was going on duty, but I forgot my gun. It, it just doesn't make sense. It, it really didn't match up. But you know, when you're lying, a lot of times you don't make sense. And the priest said, Please close attention right here. Pay close attention right here. The priest said, The sword of the Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth, behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there's none other save that there's no other save that here. And David said, there's none like that. Give it me. Verse 10. And David arose and fled that day. Please notice this. For fear of Saul. And went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, hang on. Catch this. That's Philistine territory. Okay, let me, let me go a step further here. That's Goliath's hometown. He's got Goliath's sword. Don't you think somebody would say, hey, I've seen that sword before. My brother had a sword like that. Said a guy with six fingers on one hand, huh? Right? I mean, this is, it, it, it literally, it doesn't make sense just doesn't. Look what they say. This is astounding. Verse 11. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king? Well, he wasn't yet the king. This is a reminder to David, you're out of place right here. Even the enemies of God knew he was out of place. Is not this David the king of the land? And did not they sing one to another of him and dances, saying, Saul as slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was, what does it say? Sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he, notice this, it gets bizarre right here. Because when you're out of God's will, you get Bizarre. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scrabbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down upon his beard, acting like a crazy man. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see this, this... Lo, you see, the man is mad. He's crazy. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen? In other words, you're saying, I've already met my quote on mad, crazy people around here. I don't need any more crazy people. That ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? We'll read verse one of chapter twenty two. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. Father, I want to pray one more time just uh, for extra help here and, and, um, and just trying to get this across. We need it. I know we do. And so I pray wherever we are spiritually that you'd be a help to us right now in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The title of the message tonight is, uh, is, is just a prepositional phrase. It's, called, it's this, in a wrong place. In a wrong place. I imagine every one of us had been there in a wrong place. Uh, it's been several years ago. I preached a message, I believe it was out of Galatians, if I'm not mistaken. I know this particular message, I just don't remember the occasion if that's when this took place. I preached a message on, on our flesh, and I, I called it Don't Let Your Flesh Out on Parole because there's no good behavior in your flesh. You you can't let it out on patrol, on on patrol, on parole. You can't let it out on parole or patrol. I walked out and as was common, sorry. Uh, Richie Davis. Where's our good friend? (laughs) He said, that's a good message, Brother Gaddis, like he always did. He'd tell me, he'd say, uh, I went to sleep last night listening to you preach on CD. I said, Richie, I'm sorry I put you to sleep. He said, no, 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 I was enjoying it. So. <laughs> he said, I heard Adrian Rogers preach last night. I said, Brother Richie, he, he's in heaven. He said, oh, I know it's just a recording. I <laughs> <laughs> always had a good time, Brother Richie. He said, uh, he said Brother Jason, that was a... He's a, it was a good message. He said this. He said, sometimes I struggle with my flesh. I said, um, Angie does too. <laughs> he said, I bet you do too. Pointed his finger at me. I said, all right, Brother Richie, you're right. I do. I struggle with it as well. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. David was struggling with his flesh right here, wasn't he? Uh, one man named Blakey, his last name's Blakey, he, he said this about this passage. We enter here on somewhat on, on a somewhat painful part of David's history. He's not living so near God as he had before. In consequence, his course becomes more carnal and crooked. Fear of Saul, Warren Wearsby said, fear of Saul now temporarily replaced faith in the Lord. David, um, from all appearances right here, he's not mindful of the fact that he's going to be the next king of Israel. He's forgotten the words of Jonathan, his dear friend that's tried to help him. He's a far cry from 1 Samuel chapter 17 where he rushed out on the battlefield and faced Goliath with with just the weapons of a a shepherd rather than the weapons of a warrior. He can no longer hear the praises of the women that sang about him, by the way, Human accolades are not enough to sustain you when you're in trouble. Past successes are not enough to get you through another battle. He really needed fresh faith in God right here, but all he could just see was just his fear. And I want to be careful here because uh, every one of us, uh, you know, struggle with the same things that David did and 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 what happened right here is the severity of it and the longevity of it got got through to him. And I think every one of us under the same circumstances probably would have been dealing with the same exact thing that David dealt with. Because when you're going through something and you've got the severity of it that's bearing down on you, you've got the longevity of it, and sometimes you just kind of lose perspective and you can start to give in and give up and and, and you're not thinking right. You're You're just simply not thinking right. Like a lost sheep, David went astray. But I want to thank God for the hand of the shepherd that went after him here tonight. I want to thank God that we're going to read here in a little bit, you know, in the coming weeks. We're going to read about a prophet named Gad that just seemed to come out of nowhere. But friend, listen, he didn't come out of nowhere. He was sent from God to say to to David, David, what in the world are you doing here? Everybody needs a prophet. Everybody needs a preacher, this preacher included. Everybody here needs a preacher sometimes along the way that'll say to you, friend, what in the world are you thinking? What are you doing? Doesn't make any sense what you're doing. David was seeking security, but here's the problem. He was seeking security apart from God. I want you to see tonight, I want you to understand, I want us to really think about this, because listen, the fact of this is that every one of us could end up in gath. Every single one of us. In fact, the Bible says you better take heed lest you fall. Take heed, young people, lest you fall. Just because you were raised and going to youth conference and youth rallies and youth camp and, and so forth, and you're in church every Sunday, does not mean it's going to guarantee that your life's going to go the right direction. Just because you're in Bible college does not mean that somehow you get some kind of a, a buy on this, and it's all going to be okay. It's, hey, listen, if you don't do right, if you're not thinking right, it's not going to be okay. Just because you're a long-term member here, a long-time member here, and just because you're a deacon here, just because you're a staff member here, just because, just because it doesn't matter what you are here. Listen, friend, every one of us made of the same stuff, and every one of us can find our way down to Gath. What we need to understand is how did he end up there? How did he get in Gath? How did, he, how, did he, how did he come to the place where he's scrabbling on the walls and, and his beard, you know how, how sacred really the beard was to those men? I mean, it was a, it was, it was a symbol of their manhood. It was a symbol of uh, many things as they wore that beard. And, and yet the spit is just running down and he's acting like a crazy man. And how did, he, how did the sweet psalmist of Israel get to such a place? The Bible tells us that he fled and he went to Nob. Nob was only about two miles, maybe two miles from Gibeah where uh, Saul was located. So I don't think David went here to stay. I think he's just kind of passing through. I think he's looking for something here. I, obviously, he's hungry and he's looking for something to eat. He asked the, pre, the priest there about, about something to eat. So he's just, he's just kind of on his way somewhere. I, I don't know that David even knew exactly where he was going to go. But he stopped in there, and I, I, want, you to, I want you to see this tonight. I, I want you to see that there are so many reminders right here. There are so many little warnings. And I want to thank God tonight that even when we're on a wrong path, that God gives us some warnings. It's like that warning sign, those big yellow warning signs are, are flashing, saying, Listen, there's, there's, there's danger ahead, stop, think about, think about where you are, think about where you're going here tonight. In fact, as David goes to Nob and he's in the presence of Ahimelech, he's in a right place. He would went, went to Samuel and that was the right place in Ramah. But now I, I think he knows I can't go back to, I can't go back to Ramah because that's the first place Saul's going to look. And so instead of going to Ramah, back to the man of God, back to Samuel, then he goes to Nob where there's a city of priests. And in Ahimelech, by all indications here, he's a godly priest. Uh, you read a little bit later on, then, then, um, then you'll read even more about Ahimelech, and I think a case could be made. And Abiathar, his son, I mean, these are godly, godly men, godly individuals, and, and so he's, he's in a right place. He's, he's in the presence of a man of God. Uh, he, he, here, uh, he, he has the, the showbread, the ephod, and, and so there's some ed- indication here, listen, that David was in a right place, but he was also in a wrong place. He was in a wrong place in a right place. Say, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm not sure if I followed that. It seems like you're saying two different things. I'm not. He was in a wrong place and he was in a right place. There's indications in the text. Please follow along here. There's indications in the text that he was in a wrong place. He lied. Bold face lied to the man of God. He lied. He said, I'm in service of the king. Himelech said, wait a minute, where, where's your entourage? Where's the, where's, the, where's the other soldiers? Why are you here alone? Now, David evidently indicated to him that there were some soldiers outside of the city that were waiting on him to come back, but he just lied to David. I read people that tried to say that, that David was saying, well, I'm in secretly in his mind, he was thinking I'm in service to the king, like to God. I don't think that's what David is saying. I think he's saying, Saul sent me here. I think he's just bold-faced lying. I don't like to tell you that. It does me no joy to say that David is, is a liar, but so am I. So are you. Every one of us are prone to lie when we're in trouble. Every one of us are prone to lie when we're trying to get what we want. You're prone to lie when you when you didn't read and you need, you need that grade to pass. You're prone to lie at work. You're prone to lie when you're in trouble with your spouse. You're prone to lie when you're in trouble with your parents. You're prone to lie. Every one of us, you can be in a right place, but in a wrong place all at the same time. Everybody getting this? He was in a right place, but he was in a wrong place. Do you have anything under your hand? Do you have anything in your possession that I might eat? And the Himalayas says, listen, I don't have, I don't have common bread, but I've got show bread. Back in our study of Exodus and chapter number uh, 28 and other, other places there, actually that's not the right chapter, but anyways, the showbread, the table of showbread was, was in, the, in the tabernacle and it was, it was situated here and it was two stacks of, of six pieces of bread on each side and it was symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was just outside of the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was that symbolized the presence of God. This is literally called, listen to this, the bread of presence. The bread of presence. Meaning this, it is in the presence of Jehovah. It's in the presence of the Lord. It was a reminder that the 12 tribes of Israel are constantly in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And every Sabbath day, the priest would come in, and he would swap out the, the older bread for newer bread. And it was symbolic of this: God's protecting us. God's providing for us. But David listen, David was more interested in a meal than he was in the message. If if he had been paying attention, you say, "I don't know," but that you're reading more into this than it is there. No, no, friend, I don't think so. Because listen, I think God was trying to say to him, David, you're in my presence. David, I've been protecting you. David, I've been providing for you. David, you you don't have to you don't have to run on your own. You don't have to turn to self-preservation here. You don't have to turn to your own ways, David. Listen, you're still in my presence. I'll still protect you. I'll still provide for you. But David was more interested in the meal than he was in the message and every one of us can get to the same place. Do you have here a sword? Do you have here a spear? Do you have something that I might protect myself with? I wonder why he didn't ask for a sling and a stone. I wonder why he didn't ask for a stick. That's what he used the last time. But now he's saying, Could you, do you happen to have a sword here? Do you happen to have a spear here? And, and, and so Ahimelech uh, tells him that, well, there, there is a sword here. In fact, I'll tell you whose it is. It's the sword of Goliath. Listen listen to this. I think God's trying to get through to him right here, folks. I really do. It's the sword of Goliath that you killed. Yeah. You killed him. Right. Well, you didn't, but God did through you. Do you remember that? Right. In Eli, remember what God did there? Remember that victory? Remember, God, used. You, you, in, fact, in fact, David, you weren't trusting the sword of Goliath. David, Goliath was wrong to trust his own sword. You said, David, you said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. But now he's saying, do you have a sword? Do you have a spear? Why would you want to trust the sword of somebody that's been defeated? Why would you want to trust the sword of somebody that's been defeated? Why would you want to trust trust something that's proven to be ineffective? But David said, listen, that'll do just fine because I need something to protect me. David was turning to his own means. David was turning to his own ways. David was turning to self-protection rather than protection that was of God. And God was saying to him, listen, you're in the right place right here. But you need to listen to the message that I'm trying to get across to you. You're in my presence. I'll provide for you. I'll take care of you. You don't need that sword. Just trust me. David was in a wrong place in a right place. And it's just a matter of time until when you're in a wrong place in a right place that you're in a wrong place completely. He went down to Gath. They're in Gath, the men recognized him. Why did he go to Gath? I think he went to Gath because he thought, well, Saul certainly won't seek for me here. He, he, he'd never think to look for me here. Uh-uh. And David was in Gath, and they said, hey, that's him. Hey, look here. David, giant slayer. Huh? Pulled it up on their screen. There it was. (laughs) Profile of David. Philistine FBI busted him right there. Huh? Who did he kill? Goliath? Who who else did he kill? 200 others. Who else did he kill? A bunch of others. In fact, I heard on the top ten list in Israel, the top ten playlist. Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. That's their hit song. <laughs> killed his ten thousand what? Ten thousand Philistines. Hey, that's us. That's him. In his heart, David said something like this. And he went into bizarre mode. He started scratching on the door frame and and just I don't I mean graffiti, defacing property, scratching. Say preacher, you all right? I'm all right. David wasn't flopping around, carrying on, spit. Good night. Good night. How in the world did he get there? He was in a wrong place when he was in a right place. And no, oh mercy. Lord help me right here. We gotta get this. Because many of you are in a right place right now. You're in a right place. 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 You're, you're, in a, you're in a right kind of church that's trying to give attention to the preaching of the word of God. That's not self-serving. I'm just simply saying, you're in a place where men of God have stood up here all week long and you're in a right place. You're in a right kind of Sunday school class where it's not about just coffee and donuts. We've got that, but it's not what it's all about. And it's not a circle where everybody's saying, well, what do you think it says? And the teacher shows up and not having studied at all, No, listen, you got Sunday school teachers that have prepared all week. No doubt they've been busy, and they've got some Saturdays where they're cramming and trying to get done, and they're begging God, oh, God, you know what kind of week I had. Any teacher's been there before? I know a preacher that's been there a few times. Oh, dear Lord, please, these are your people. They need to know about your presence. They need to know about the bread of life. They need to know about their daily daily bread, not just the food, but they need, oh, mercy. They need your word more than they need their daily sustenance. More than they need the bread, the physical bread, they need the spiritual bread. And dear God, please give a message. And and there's Sunday school teachers that have sought the Lord and and been ready to teach. And they stand to deliver and they stand to stare. Hey, listen, to, to, to share what God has done. You're in the right place. You're in the right place where there's right kind of music that's going on. There's music that you can actually understand. You can understand what the words are and you can sing it. But listen, if you're not careful, you'll stand there and you'll sing about that day that he saved you. But, and you'll talk about whatever that first song was about being happy or something like that. But your face didn't say it. What we sing? Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. <laughs> Dead, cold. Hey, you can be in a wrong place in a right place. You can be in a wrong place spiritually. You could be in a wrong place. You're hearing so much Bible in your life. You could be in a wrong place spiritually. You got a man of God in your life. You got people of God in your life. You got teachers in your life. You got parents in your life. You got instructors in your life. You got godly friends in your life. Listen, you could be in a right place and yet in a wrong place all at the same time. Not really taking it in, not really applying it, just kind of going through the motions and and then things can happen. And I'm not trying to be hard on David. I mean, all those things were going on in his life and no doubt you've got things going on in your life too. But I'm reminding you tonight, you're in a good place. You're in the right place, but I'm not asking you about where you are geographically. I'm not asking where you are physically, because I know where you are geographically. I know where you are physically right now. You're at 54th and Blackwater, Southwest Baptist Church, in case you didn't know. This is where you are. You're in the right place geographically. But I'm more concerned about this. Where will you be spiritually? Where are you spiritually? Where are you spiritually? Because where you are spiritually will determine in a few years from now, or maybe in a few months from now, even a few weeks from now, maybe even a day from now, where you'll be geographically. And don't think it won't cost others when you're not right with God spiritually. Doeg was there. It won't be long, but 85 priests will die because Doeg told Saul, and nobody else would kill the priest because they didn't want to touch God's anointed. But Doeg said, I'll kill him. He did. I'm just saying to you, when you're not where you ought to be spiritually, your family suffers. When you're not, when you're not where you are, ought to be spiritually, students, there's a church that will suffer someday because you're messing around when you ought to be spiritual. There's a youth group waiting for you. There's a church waiting for you. Young people, there's a, there, there's a family for you to raise. But listen, if you don't get right now what God wants to give you, and you're not where you ought to be spiritually, I wonder where you'll be someday physically. Young, young couples tonight, would you, would you listen here? Because if you're not where you ought to be spiritually, I wonder if a year from now if you'll be together. I forgot to even to mention that, that that sword was was wrapped in an ephod. That ephod itself would have been a, a reminder to David that, that the high priest, his would have been more elaborate. His would have had the stones on each, each shoulder that represented the six tribes of Israel on each side of the 12 tribes, and then it had the, the jewels on the, on the, on the breastplate, and it symbolized how that God's people ought to be on the man's heart. By the way, oh mercy, the priest was there to represent the people to God, but also the God to the people. David had it right there before him. The Urim and the Thummim, it was there. The leadership, the provision of God, all of it was there. And he just threw it away. If you're in a wrong place, in a right place, and you don't get that right, it won't be long till you're in a wrong place. Completely. 25 miles from where you ought to be. Oh, God will remind you. Isn't that David the king of Israel? Didn't they sing his praises? In the course of pastoring, tried to be a help to people. That ended up in situations like I'm about to read right now. In a relationship that they never should have been in. At a bar. Experimenting with alcohol. Some experimenting with drugs. People damaging their married life. Damaging their family life. God's people ruining their testimony. People out of church. People out of school. People at a casino. Some in a parked car with somebody they should never have been. Some in the back of a police car. Many entangled on websites that they never should have gone to. Entangled in conversations that they should have never had. Posting things they never should have posted. Entangled in the homosexual life. Ending up in a psych ward. some incarcerated, many in bad friendships, some in their boss's office, some in the dean's department, some in the pastor's office. How do you get there? Just like the prodigal son got in the pig pen He was in a good place, but he wasn't in a right place spiritually. Next thing you know, he's at a hog trough, pushing a hog off and eating what they ate. So you could end up in a wrong place physically if you're in a wrong place spiritually. So I'm asking you tonight, where are you? Where are you spiritually? They're not brush this off and say, well. He's just trying to be dramatic. Okay, look, I'll be honest. If I, if I could be even more dramatic to get your attention, to wake you up, I'd, I'd, I would do that. Try to help you stop and think about where you're headed. Because you need to pay attention to what God's trying to tell you right here. He's trying to get through to you. You, you, you need to take advantage of the spiritual leadership that's available to you in your life. Amen. And you need to live out God's purpose in your life. Because as David was tearing into that door, he wasn't acting like the one that God made him to be. I want to ask you tonight. Just exactly where are you spiritually? Let me ask it simply this way. I really want you to think about it. Are you in a good place spiritually? Or would you confess tonight to say, I'm in a bad place spiritually? Because we've already determined and already seen, you can be in the presence of Ahimelech and still be in a bad place. You could be in a good Bible preaching church and still be in a bad place spiritually. I'm preaching with the burden tonight, because I can see God's people on the way, because I've experienced it myself, getting complacent, cold, carnal all the while holding a hymn book following along in the Bible but not where you ought to be spiritually dear God in heaven help us here tonight Lord um, I pray you'd help everyone here to consider where they are spiritually and turn to you dear God I pray and let you help us. Please, dear God, search us, try us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together very appropriately tonight. It's not very often that on a Sunday night in particular that we sing Just As I Am, but that was already picked out tonight, and I believe it's appropriate. Of course, that would apply to anybody that needs salvation, but it also applies even just to us to come to God just as we are. God spoke to you tonight. I'm going to go and prepare for baptism, but Ted's going to lead the invitation. But would you come and think, just please consider where you are spiritually here tonight. As Brother Aaron leads us in in several verses, then would you respond?